Now, uh, how many of you know who wrote the book of Proverbs? You guys are like, um, God? Yes, God. But, but Pam, you raise your hand. Who, who, by tradition, wrote the book of Proverbs? Yes, it was the King Solomon, who was David's son, right? And he was like the wisest man in his generation, and he um, has been given credit for most of the Proverbs. Now, what is a proverb? Proverb is a wise saying. It's a concise, memorable two, three-liner that sticks. And it, it's, it's showing us a value that is desirable in the kingdom of God. A really good value, right? And so when you look at all these Proverbs, you can tease out one value that really is valuable. That's really worth acting out. It's really worth embracing, and we, we have some American proverbs, right? You guys know this. The early bird. The, what, what was that? The early bird gets the worm, right? And the value there is kind of like rising early and hard work and stuff like that. And what, what, about, what, about, um, what about this one? Give a man a fish and he will live for a day. Teach a man to fish and... And we don't know that proverb. No, teach a man to fish and he will live for a lifetime. Yeah, a lifetime. Actually, that's not an American proverb. That's an ancient Chinese proverb, right? Right, Mom? Didn't Confucius coin that one or something? I don't know. Um, so we're used to these proverbs, right? Now, if you, if you look in this book and you read these Proverbs, and you tease out a value, the general idea of the book is these values are how we live through God's will, how we, how we apply wisdom in every area of our life. And there is a general promise that if we do that, our lives will be joyful, our lives will be useful, but this is something that you totally need to work on. It doesn't just happen by accident. You have to be very intentional about it, Okay. Now, I'm going to invite Priscilla up here, and she is going to give us um, two proverbs and a proverbial kind of uh, verse from Ecclesiastes. And then we're going to watch a video, and then we're going to see where we're going with all this. So, Priscilla, why don't you come up here and take us through God's Word. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs twelve twenty six, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the w- way of the wicked leads them astray. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. I was a psychology major. It's one of my confessions. Raina was also a psychology major. I went to Cal. During those years, I remember I took one uh, sociology class, and they shared this experiment that they 
that took place in an elevator. Now, this is the same concept that I came across on the Internet. Take a look at this, and you'll, you'll see in a, in a moment what I'm talking about. All right, that, that, was, that was hilarious. That was, that, that was hilarious. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious, how many of you, like, it's, it's a really good laugh, but how many of you are kind of, like, thinking, like, if I was in that elevator, I don't think I would just conform so easily. You know, there's a part of you that goes, I like to think I'm kind of stronger than that, right? Is anyone who was kind of thinking that? Or actually, if anyone's in the elevator, do you kind of feel like you wouldn't actually do that rotational turn and the hat off and all that stuff? Yeah, I think, I think there's a fair amount of, who, of us who say, I, you know, I wouldn't do that. But, but this experiment, actually that was a commercial, but, th- but there was actually an experiment done on this. And they, saw, they found the same phenomenon happening. It was the same observation, which is you turn and the people want to turn you to take off the hat and the people want to take off the hat. And what it's showing us is that we, just by our nature, are influencing each other in ways that we don't even know. That the power of conformity, that the power of peer pressure is way more powerful than we give it credit for, right? So what do we, what do, we do with that information? Now, I, I think some of us go, well, that means that I'm going to, like, redouble my efforts to really be a strong, free-thinking individual. You know, I'm going to resist, you know, pressure, when it, especially when it's going the wrong way. But isn't it interesting that the author of Proverbs, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, doesn't actually go that way? That instead of like resisting this natural impulse to be influenced by those around you, the writer of Proverbs, through the inspiration of the Spirit, is saying, actually, we should embrace this. This is kind of how God made us. Let's actually do something good with it. And since we are influenced by each other, why not leverage it for your good and for the glory of God? And so today we are opening this topic up of cultivating close friendships, cultivating a small tribe of people where you guys can all turn the same way and take off your hats and influence each other in ways that are really, really positive. And I think that's where the writer of Proverbs is actually going, like leverage that for the kingdom of God. But today we are asking certain questions that concern friendships. Questions like, is it even worth it to invest in close friendships? Look, I'm crazy busy. I got like midterms and, and all this homework. I'm, I'm, my hands are full. Should I even make time? I don't even have time to cultivate close friendships? And and let's say I want to cultivate close friendships. Who should I cultivate close friendships with? Like, should I be choosy? And what are some of the things I'm looking for? And then there's questions like, well, what if I don't? What if I go through all four years of college? What if I go through the next decade being a part of this church and I don't cultivate a close friend. Well, I got a lot of acquaintances, but what if I don't cultivate a close friend? What, what am I going to lose? 
What am I losing by not cultivating these friendships? And these are some of the questions that I, I, uh, we're going to unpack today. Like, is it worth it? Who? And what if I don't? But I do want to start by, by sharing that two years ago, I went on my first sabbatical. Now, how many of you have ever had a sabbatical in, in your life? Maybe about two people. I was wondering, like, you know, in college, like, when you go home for summer, is that a, does that count as a sabbatical? Is that a sabbatical? You're like, no. <laughs> you know, I, I have always kind of looked at a sabbatical, like, before going on one, as this glorified vacation, you know? I mean, doesn't it just sound nice, like, three months or six months, and you just get to do whatever you want? I always kind of thought that it's like a glorified vacation. But here's the thing. For me, I don't do very well on vacation. Like, you can ask Raina. I, I, I just kind of shrivel up spiritually. I just feel like my, my life is insignificant. You know, I, just, I, I don't do well on vacation. And so I'm preparing for this sabbatical, and I have a mentor who actually has gone on six-month sabbaticals and, you know, m- more than one time, right? And he seems to be able to do it really, really well. And so I wanted to ask him, like, how do you, what do you do? What's, what's the secret to unlocking the wonders of a good sabbatical? Because he seems to really know um, how to do it. And you know what he told me? He told me that it's not really what you do during your sabbatical that makes it special. It's really what you don't do. Like for a month or for six months, what you do, what you don't do is you don't do any ministry. You shut the work machine down. You just shut it down and you reflect. And he was telling me that there are certain things you cannot see unless you shut the work machine down and then look back. And then if there's something that you need to see, then you'll see it. So I got really excited. I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shut it down. And so I went for one month to Hong Kong, went to China, and I ate good food, and I went shopping, and I did shrivel up and feel insignificant. I did, I did. But I also reflected. And I'm like, God, is there something that you want to show me? And I was asking questions like, okay, God, in the last five years, the way I've been doing ministry, if I do it exactly the same way, will there be any regrets? And I looked at my life, and sure enough, God showed me that there's going to be a really big regret. What he showed me during that time. And there's no way I could have seen it unless I just shut down and reflect. What he showed me is that my life in the Bay Area is 80% on track and 20% not so much. And the 20% that's not so much, and I I realized this during my sabbatical, is that I am lacking a celebration of relationships. And and God showed me, like, on Tuesday, I got five projects, eight projects. I'm planning this sermon series. I need to meet with these leaders for vision casting. I want to work with this staff and read this book. But it's like God was putting a finger, like, what about developing close relationships, especially with your guy friends. What about that? And I honestly was like, God, who's got time for that? You know, I got so much stuff to do. But I think what he showed me during that time is I 
could achieve a lot of different things. But if I don't have close friends, it's going to be empty and hollow. I could get a lot of stuff done. But if there are not people that I truly just sit down and enjoy and there's mutual enjoyment, then gosh, it's going to be so empty and hollow. And I'm going to have some deep regrets. And I was looking at that, and I'm like, Lord, my life in the Bay Area, it needs to change. I mean, there are a lot of people that I enjoy. I'm just not spending time just cultivating those friendships. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want my, my ministry, my life to be insignificant. I don't want it to be empty and hollow. I want it to really mean something. I want to have a group of people that I really care about really care about me. And so let me ask you guys, do you guys have a group of close friends? Do you have people that you can trust, you can really share your stuff with? You know they're going to be with you. You know they're going to pray with you, encourage you. Do you guys have a, 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 a small group, a, a tribe of people that you trust, who encourage you, who inspire you, who bring you closer to God? You guys have people like that? And what I'm saying is that in the next five years, if we don't cultivate that, man, you could have a lot of money, but we would be poor. But if we have close friends, people who really, truly know us and love us and pray for us, you may not have a lot of money, but you will be a rich, rich person. This is one of those investments where years later, you will look back and you will know this investment was well worth the time and the effort, even though I'm crazy busy. It's that important. And so God has been giving me like a mid-course correction, and I just want to encourage you guys too. It's never too late for God to give you a mid-course correction. And maybe even with this message, he's going to give you one as well. So Priscilla was um, breaking open the, the, the two Proverbs and then the verses from Ecclesiastes. And we're going to take these one at a time and just kind of walk it through. So the first one, where is it? Ah, here it is. Okay. Proverbs thirteen twenty, And it goes like this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer Harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So, just a very easy like interpretation. What is this proverb saying? Like, what's what does this proverb want you to do? Well, obviously, it wants you to walk with wise people. It wants you to cultivate friendships with people who are wise, right? Why? Well, it's the same reason for the elevator experiment. I mean, I want you to think about the elevator experiment. If that's how much complete strangers in an elevator can influence you, then how much more close friendships? The principle here for why we need to build friends with wise people is simply this. You become like the people you're close to. Now, let me say that again. I think that's worth remembering. You become like the people that you are close to. If you are close to people who love God, they inspire you to new heights of loving God. If you are with people who watch Korean drama, you 
will probably want to watch Korean drama. If you are people who, you know, are a certain way, you become a certain way if they're close to you. People just rub off on each other because people that you're close to have that sort of effect. Now, I'll give you an example, okay? I just want to give you an example. Just a little bit of an illustration to make this kind of sticky. Can I have, um, can I have Bobby and David just stand up? Okay. You guys, this is David. You guys, this is, is Bobby. They're Cal students. Hey, go Bears. Okay, they're loyal and true. They're awesome. All right, now this is, this is my illustration. They're just sitting next to each other, right? And really the common perception is that if I'm just sitting next to someone, we're individuals, right? He's wrapped in skin. I'm wrapped in skin. We're individuals, But now I want you to rethink this, okay? They're sitting next to each other. I want you to imagine this permeable membrane between them. That's their skin. And there are these tiny particles that are going from Bobby to David and then from David to Bobby. And there's going back and forth, right? Right now. You're like, no, we're individuals. No, no. This this proverb is saying that the, the membrane is translucent. It's, it's permeable. Things are, are, are going back and forth. There's an exchange, right? And, and this happens when they have coffee or they're in small group or they're praying for one another or having a meal together. They're walking side. By. It's happening. Particles, right? And what are those particles? Uh, it's values. It's worldview. It's habits. It's goals. It's like exchanging barbecue recipes. Yes, yes, I know that. But, but it's so much more. There's values that are being transferred back and forth, back and forth. And this is happening with the people that you're with. Isn't that true? Okay, now, we're probably thinking two things. Like, that's kind of scary, right, that that actually is happening. I'm not thinking of that and happening. And number two, it's like, that's kind of gross, you know, because there's hygienic people between us, like, what? No. And, then, and you're feeling like, well, I'm going to be careful who I sit next to metaphorically. And I actually think that the writer of Proverbs is saying exactly. Because that is happening, you should choose your friends wisely. Thanks for letting me feel, make you feel really awkward for a few moments. That was... Thanks, guys, for doing that. Yeah, you can clap for them. Okay. But the writer of Proverbs is saying, that is happening. And then in Proverbs 12, 26, it says, One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor. And the NIV says, guide to his neighbor says, choose your friends wisely. You can look that up in the NIV. It says, choose your friends wisely. Wisely, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So let me put these two verses together. Because we are people who influence others, one another, because we are people who become like the people that we're close to, we should choose our friends wisely. Choose friends who are wise. What, what, what do you mean by wise? Well, wisdom in the book of Proverbs means that you live by the fear of God. It means that there is this deep reverence for who God is. And you try to live your life applying his wisdom into every area of life that's living by God's will and his heart and his mind. Do you have friends like that? Is that worth the investment? Oh, yes, it is. I did ask our um, admin staff to do a little bit of research 
just in preparation for the new year and, and setting goals. And I asked him, of the 177 active adults in our church, what percentage of the people in our church are in home groups? So they, 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 they did some research, they, they crunched some numbers, and the number that they gave me is 45%. 45% of the active adults in our church are in a home group. Now, I know there's a large uh, portion of college students here, and so the equivalent of that would be small groups. Amen, Dave? Dave? Uh, small groups. You call them small groups? You call them small groups. Are you in a small group? You know, are you doing life together? 45% of our church are in a small group, in a home group. Now, I think that number is actually pretty good. But we could also do a lot better. And I would have you know that I totally believe in home groups. Now, I, I, now this is just from my own personal experience, but some of my closest friends I found in home group. I met my wife in home group. Now, I can't guarantee you the same results, you know. But, but think about this. Think about this. If you become like the people that you're close to, then where better to find a spouse than here, right? Okay, awkward moment over. Let's keep on going. Okay. Um, my essential calling as a pastor, my bread and butter as a pastor, I found in home group. The core spiritual disciplines of praying for another person and reading the scripture and really understanding what the scripture is saying and learning to savor that. I learned those basic skills in home group. In fact, in the past 12 years, as I think of some of the greatest moments of my life, they were birthed in home group. Either friends that came from home group or even moments in home group where I was having the time of my life. Now, I don't want this to be too heavy-handed, okay? I just want to be honest. If it's true, and I believe it is true, that we become like the people that we're close to, then wouldn't it make sense for on a regular basis to be meeting with people who are getting into God's word, who are praying for each other, who are both striving to be more like Jesus, who are all like reflecting on what the power of the cross means for them and the amazing person of Jesus and trying to be more like him? Wouldn't it make sense... For us to make that investment, like no matter how busy you are, to say that is important. Because I am prone to be so influenced by other people. I'm prone to be like that. And so I need to be with people who are really striving to be more like Jesus. I mean, it's that important, right? Yes, it is that important. Okay, and so for those of you, the 55% who are not in home groups, I want you to consider just a, just a, a general invitation. Why not try a home group? Why not make a fresh start? Maybe you're like, you know, I've been meaning to check out a home group for a long time. Why, why not now? Why not this week? Why not this month? And, and maybe even during the table talk time, you know, you, you might get to know a home group and you might want to actually want to go and check it out and visit them. It's really not much to lose and so much more that we could possibly gain. So now the first Two verses from Proverbs are really giving the message that the people we are close to, we become like. So choose your friends wisely. Okay, those, those are the first two from Proverbs. This next set of verses comes from Ecclesiastes. Now, I wanted to drive home a main point, and then I'll kind of read over the scripture. But I think the main point is this. Is this. Life is hard. We need the strength that good, close friends can provide. Life is hard. 
We need the strength that only good, close friends can provide. Okay, here's the scripture. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no, not another to lift him up again. If two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. That's Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Now, what is this passage saying? Well, again, I think the, the value, the easy interpretation is simply stated like, you know, two is better than one. It's like the, the motto for the Warriors last year, which was strength, strength in numbers. Two is more powerful than one. But I want you to pay attention. These verses are powerful, but they're made powerful because of an underlying assumption. There is a context that makes the point that two are better than one even more powerful and compelling. Now, what is that context? Well, the context is that life is hard, right? The context is that you are going to fall down and you're going to get discouraged. The context is that your environment is going to be really cold around you and you need to keep warm, but you can't by yourself. The context is that someone is trying to break you. And that's why we need each other. We need to stand stronger together. That's the context. It's a powerful context. Now, I want to bring this point home uh, even further. And so what I do need is I need you guys to look around the room and I need you to nominate for me who you think might be like the strongest person in this room. Like just physically, just sheer brute strength, okay? Now, I know we're all humble, so we're not going to be like, well, that's me, you know, but, but maybe you might, you know, be shameless in nominating someone else. I see people pointing over here to the back. Okay, they're not pointing at Daniel, so we're just going to skip right over Daniel. It must be Johnny. If Johnny could boast, he would tell you how much he deadlifts. This man is a sheer beast. Okay, I want you to stand up, and I just want you to look really mean. Okay? Actually, can you come? Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Johnny. By the way, I know you're not boasting, but I am asking you, how much can you deadlift? 460. You hear that? Okay, that's like four of me put together. 460. This man is a beast. You guys agree with that? Okay, because you know what deadlift is, right? Yeah, Patrick does. Patrick, can you, like, demonstrate? <laughs> okay, you got, it, you got it off the ground. You pick it up, and you go like that, right? Do you do any higher or just like that? Uh, you can do arms extended. Okay, so I want you to imagine all the muscles that are behind this jacket. It's like rippling muscles, okay, because they're there. Trust me, they're there. They're there. Okay, now listen. Now, I'm gonna, this, is, this is real easy, okay? Now, Johnny, I want you to just go ahead and give you a chopstick. I just want you to break it, okay? Go ahead, go. That's one chopstick, okay? He broke it into, like, five pieces, okay? He, didn't even, he was like, bing! He could have done it with his pinky, okay? Now, now you know where I'm going to, about to go, okay? Now, listen, Johnny, I know that for this illustration, I'm just supposed to give you three, because it says a three-four cold. But here's the thing. I need the illustration to work, okay? Because... <laughs> This guy isn't going to tear through the three. Okay, now, we're standing as a church together, right? There's like 72 chopsticks, and I want you to keep in mind that if you do break them, 
Reina is going to be so mad at you, okay? Because these are all our chopsticks right here. Now, I want you to go ahead. I want you to go ahead. Okay, put it, yeah, closer together. Don't, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> really close together. Okay, now I want you with the 460-pound brute strength and just snap it. Go, Johnny. Oh, hold it. Johnny, hold it. Wait a second. Closer together. Closer together. Okay, now go. Now go. Now go. Now go. I can't do it. He cannot do it. <laughs> he cannot do it. Some of these are cracked, and that's ruining the illustration. But he could not do it. Now, okay, now, now you think I'm going to say, so this means that we need to band together. No, no, no. That's actually not my point. That is not my point. My point is that there's a strong man who's trying to break you. That's my point. Look at Johnny. You got a Johnny who's trying to break you. That is my point. Now, you have to understand this, you know. This man is terribly strong. And he is trying to rip you apart. And isn't that what life is like? You have an adversary. You have a Satan who is trying to destroy you. Sorry, you're negative in, in this, in, in, but, but you're doing the part very well, though, in terms of the strength. You have a world that doesn't care about God. They want you to follow. You have your sin nature inside you. There are so many strong forces that want you to enjoy God's gift, but not enjoy God, and to do what other people are doing. You have forces of disease and decay and decadence. They want to bring your marriage down. They want you to be antagonistic with your kids. They want you to be robbed of the joy of God. They want you to be lukewarm. It's working against you. So when you understand that context, then you're like, okay, let's band together. Let's band together. <laughs> right? Thank you. Thank you, John. You, you. Johnny's like running out of here. If you understand the reality of the situation that life is hard and trials are coming your way, then suddenly the urgency of strength in numbers and standing with friends becomes ever more compelling. I need these friends because the road ahead, especially in America, there are forces pulling you away from God. And you have to be strong. And you can't do it by yourself. You need to stand together. You need one another. I need you guys. You guys need me. We need each other. That's, that's what the whole church is about. Now, I'm, I've asked Dave Fong, for, who is a longtime um, staff worker at AACF and younger brother Francis Chan. you see what I mean in, in a moment. And um, he has come here. I've actually been looking for a reason to bring Dave for a long time. Just want to do more ministry with him. Just want you guys to get to know him and him, us. And, so, and he's here this morning. He has an incredible story about developing other friends, like a small tribe where they are becoming like Jesus together. It's really quite inspirational. And so I knew, I called up Dave, I'm like, Dave, I know this is last minute, but you got to come and just share about your experience because I do think that your story is really going to inspire us. So okay, let's give a hand to, uh, to Dave Fong and, and then he's going to just take it away. Hi to the CLC family. Uh, like Pastor Andrew said, I am Dave Fung. I work with Asian American Christian Fellowship at UC Berkeley. Go Bears. Go 
Huckleberries. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, I've got to say a huge word of thanks because I have actually been a supported missionary over the years from, uh, from CLC. And so I'm extremely, extremely grateful for your praying and for your giving to me over the years. Um, just by way of update, I am married and my wife is Susanna. And uh, we've got two kids. Um, first off is daughter Karis, who is a freshman at UC Irvine. So it is a little um, crazy to think that I am now a um, <clears throat> parent <laughs> of a college kid. Um, and uh, let's see, I've got a son Dylan, who's a sophomore at California Cross Point High School. All right, so... Um, I am t sharing with you guys about my small group and uh, telling you guys uh, how we got together. So I have been with a small group of three other men, uh, Sherman Lim, Kevin Yee, and Wingate Liu, um, as you can see from a uh, picture. Uh, we've known each other a long time with slight variation. Wingate and I grew up at Chinese Independent Baptist Church, um, and my... Uh, but he's uh, Kevin and uh, Sherman grew up in Sacramento um, where they were part of Chinese Grace Bible Church, uh, which is like a sister church to my church. Um, <clears throat> we made the Sacramento-Oakland connection uh, through a summer church camp that our churches were a part of. Um, so, and uh, in addition, we were also involved with uh, AACF. Uh, the three of them went to UC Davis and I was at Cal. So shortly after graduating uh, from our respective colleges, we found jobs in the Bay Area, uh, Kevin in San Jose, Sherm in San Francisco, Wynn and myself uh, in Oakland. So after uh, being part of <clears throat> a vibrant Christian community in AACF uh, at our respective schools, we knew that it was critically important to be plugged into a church or fellowship. Uh, however, uh, Sherman Kev uh, were new to the Bay Area, and Wynn and I were a little ambivalent about um, whether our home church was still going to be a good fit for us uh, spiritually post-college. So in the beginning, we decided to meet up uh, to support each other and hold one another accountable in our mutual search for churches uh, that would fit us. Uh, we knew then that small group wouldn't be an adequate substitute for church. Uh, and I'm pleased to say that by God's grace, uh, all of us did indeed uh, end up in um, churches that we uh, felt really good about plugging into. Uh, and we also uh, started serving in various ministries. Uh, the other three were uh, in youth ministries um, at their respective churches, and I got involved with ACF then as a staff worker. Uh, since then, um, <clears throat> we have met pretty much every week. Uh, up until recently, we would rotate uh, homes um, so that no one would have to drive all the time. Um, <clears throat> the one thing that people always ask is, you know, you guys have been together so long, what, what do you do? <laughs> um, so what we've done... Um, as a small group over the years is that we pretty much always will uh, eat, share, and pray together. 
other things come and go, but um, those three things have remained constant. Uh, eating, sharing a meal, uh, sharing what's been going on, and praying together. Um, so, I mean, other, over the time, we've definitely participated in different activities. Uh, we were into camping in our younger days. Uh, we picked up golf, uh, part of the whole, um, <clears throat> part of the whole um, Hold'em phase where we were learning to play cards. Uh, we've done various ministry things together, uh, actually as a result of one of the guys who is involved with Christian Lehman. Uh, we did uh, Project Angel Tree for a few years, um, and we've also uh, spoken in one another's ministries. Uh, We've walked through, um, content-wise, various books. Um, we haven't done a whole ton of Bible study, um, but we've always, like I said, come back to uh, sharing and praying about what's been going on. Uh, as we get older now, we're walking through things like um, uh, singleness in middle age. We're walking through uh, marriage and parenthood. Uh, we're talking about... Um, Boy, now we're talking about things like um, aging parents and our health concerns. Um, to sum up what has been central to who we are, um, we actually stole it from a message that one of the guys heard, is the three W's. So what we always come back to sharing about is work, what's happening in our jobs and career-wise, women, uh, what's going on in the significant relationships in our lives, and uh, walk. Uh, how's your walk with the Lord going? So three W's, work, women, and walk. Uh, Pastor Andrew also asked me to share about uh, not just our story, but what's it good for? What's it good for? So what's the benefit of being in this long-term relationship? And so uh, it's been implicit in what I've shared uh, about our story, but uh, let me point out, make a couple explicit points. Um, like Pastor Andrew said, life is hard. You need friends. Um, and not just to be uh, discouraging. It's also true, equally true, that life is good and that, you, and that it's even better when we share it with friends. Uh, for as difficult as life um, often can be and often is, um, it's critically important to know that there are three people in my life who will come together to my aid uh, no matter what. Um, uh, the joys of life are definitely sweeter when shared together. Um, but the other is that following Jesus is, is hard and that you need help, uh, but also that following Jesus is good and that um, we can share hope with one another. Uh, the Christian life can be a difficult one, as Pastor Andrew mentioned, perhaps more so as our American society becomes increasingly secular. So figuring out what it means to follow Jesus and how that looks in your job, in your family, in your marriage, or singleness is important. It's one thing for us as ministers to talk about, hypothetically, how important it is to follow Jesus. But somehow, you and I need to contextualize what that's going to look like in my job. Because I, as a staff worker, am not 
in your job or in your classroom or in your dorm or in your lab. But to have people who walk with you regularly, who know your marriage, who know your kids, who hear the songs and stories about your boss and your coworkers, and who can encourage you, what does it look like for you to be a believer in your job, in your marriage, with your children, is critically important. So, um, <clears throat> I guess in wrapping it up, uh, I know that um, our small group has kind of taken on mythic proportions over the years. And as we reflect on it, I would want to say that um, don't marvel at us as if we're something special. Um, at the times when we've stopped to think and reflect on our own history together, um, while we realize that we're unique, what I would say is that um, we're not that special. What we would want is for everyone to have what we have. It's hard for us to think about what our lives would be like if we weren't with one another, if we didn't have the safe place, if we didn't have the outlet that one another provides. Um, I know that I have become a better husband, a better father, a better minister as a result of my relationship with these guys. And so I'm incredibly blessed by them. And like Pastor Andrew said at the top of his talk, um, I have been trusted. I have been inspired. I've been blessed. I've been healed. I've been forgiven. And by God's grace, I've had the opportunity to do the same. I've had the opportunity to trust and to inspire and to bless and to heal and to pronounce forgiveness on someone else. And my hope for you guys is that you would have the same in your lives. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to be quick. I don't, I don't know about you, but maybe listening to Dave and seeing what Dave has, it's kind of a bittersweet experience. I mean, it, it's, it's sweet because it's inspirational. You're like, wow. I mean, that's something that other people have. I, I want that. And maybe it's a little bitter because you're like, but I don't have that. And so uh, my encouragement to you guys, like right now, is, well, why not cultivate that? It is doable. Why not pray and ask God for good, close friends who are going to inspire you, who are going to care for you and, and help you to be more like Jesus? And then just with year one, you're just going to start small. Maybe you can do something like join a home group. Maybe if you're in a home group, you can say, well, in, in this home group, I want to go even deeper with these people. I know that we're crazy busy, but isn't this one of those things where it's worth it? It's worth the investment? And you will probably need to fight for it because your schedule is so busy. But it's worth the fight, isn't it? It's something we can pray for. It's something we can ask for. And it's something that we can actively develop. So let's do it together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask on behalf of every single person in our church... We want them to have meaningful connections with other people. We want them to have really close friendships where they can do life together with a small tribe of people.
Now, every good and perfect gift comes from you, so it would make sense for us just to ask you, Lord, would you help us? Help us to identify a small group and help us to identify other people that we would like to do life together with because we need one another. And so we ask you for this very good gift of close friends. And we know, Lord, that maybe we need to start small. Maybe we need to just take someone out to coffee or, or just visit a home group. And I pray that you would give us the courage and the intentional value to do that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Continuing this, this time of worship service with a collection of tithes and offerings. So if the ushers can come forward and let me pray for us. Oh, and also, and this is also your opportunity to fill out the communication cards and insert that into the bag. Um, if um, at any time you wish to get some prayer, um, there's the prayer ministers in the back. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just want to thank you for providing us in many ways, not just financially um, and education and parents, but also um, for friends. And we, we just want to ask that you would unlock whatever it is that may be inhibiting us to a deeper relationship um, that you want us to have amongst us. And also we would like to pray that for ourselves with, with you personally. of all of the things that you have done for us, we just want to lift up this offering to you as a token of our appreciation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.